I have the privilege this morning of introducing uh, our guest speaker. Uh, as you know, our pastor is on sabbatical. He'll be back in two more weeks. And uh, B- Pastor Brandon Goff is here today with us all the way from Columbia, South Carolina. He is the pastor of Radiate Church. And today he uh, is selling one of his books as you walk out in the lobby. And it's uh, originally $10, but he's going to gift it to you guys for, to the bridge for $8 today if you would like it. And uh, I want you guys to help me in welcoming Pastor Brandon Goff from Radiate Church this morning. Good morning. It is good to see everybody this morning. Man, I I don't know about you guys. Uh, I I planted Radiate Church about two years ago. And uh, we start our services at 1045 um, because I hate mornings. Anybody with me on that? I cannot stand mornings. I mean, I wake up and I'm just throwing stuff. Don't, don't talk to me for the first hour that I'm awake. I'm just one of those guys. But it's an honor to be here this morning. Thank you so much uh, for being with us today. Uh, as he said, my name is Brandon Goff. I pastor Radiate Church. We planted uh, two, a little over two years ago in Columbia, South Carolina, and God is doing some uh, tremendous things there. And uh, I've really built a great relationship with your pastor and uh, your staff here at The Bridge, and they've helped us so much And so I just want to thank them first and foremost this morning uh, for allowing me to be here and also pouring in uh, to me and my staff uh, all the time, actually. And so uh, Pastor Farrell's become a great friend and mentor of mine, and he's always answering the phone and and pouring into me, so uh, it's just an honor. I do want to introduce my beautiful, lovely wife over here uh, to my left. Just wave your hand, baby. Y'all please just look. I married way, way out of my league, guys. I understand that, and I'm okay with that. Um, Yeah, I love it. I go home, and I'm just like, Dad, I don't know what happened to me, but I'm just glad God has favor, right? Um, As uh, Pastor uh, uh, Jared said, I I do have some books out in the foyer um, for sale for $8. I would love for you to come by. Even if you don't want a book, that's okay. Um, I'll, I'll just be out there hanging out. would love to shake your hand, talk to you for a few minutes. Uh, this morning and hang out. Um, now, I do want to say this. Uh, in just a minute, I have a couple of confessions that I, I really want to make. Um, let me go ahead and make confession number one. I am a Matt Bartlett wannabe. Um, I, I, so much so that I did my hair like him. I've named a band after myself. And I don't know if you know it, but I'm raising a little bit of money for a CD. I love you, Matt. Um, He'll see this later, hear about it later. And confession number two is this. Um, I beat up on your pastor in golf yesterday. That may not be much of a, 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 a winning moment for people, but for me, I don't beat anybody in golf, so I beat him in golf yesterday, and I'm taking it to the bank, man. I am. Look, I love the guy, but he's, he's still crying this morning. I, I know it. And uh, Pastor Farrell, if you're watching, I love you, man. You're awesome. Uh, I'm not good at golf, guys. I'm, I'm really not. And uh, so we'll just leave it at that. Um, <laughs> oh, man. If you want to go ahead and open your Bibles and, and get a head start this morning, we're going to jump into 1 Samuel. Um, and, and we're going to hit on in chapter 17 here in just a few minutes. Um, but uh, just, just, a few bit, uh, just a little bit about my journey. Um, a little story about myself. When I was, um, I've been in youth ministry for 10 years, and uh, we're talking about road trips. I know this is the theme. Road trip is the theme going on. 
And um, guys, I used to love road trips. Me and my brother, we used to get up when I was a teenager and in high school and stuff, and, and we would just get up and say, hey, what are you doing today? Man, I'm not doing anything. And so we'd just take off to Myrtle Beach. It was about a two-hour ride from us uh, to Myrtle Beach, and we'd just get up in the morning, go to Myrtle Beach, hang out for the day, come back that night, you know, stuff like that. We'd just take little road trips just out of here, you know, out, out of nowhere. Uh, when I was in um, college, we'd do the same thing, me and my roommates, me and my buddies, you know, what you doing today? Well, nothing really. And so they would just, uh, they would just jump forward, you know, and we'd, we'd go somewhere. But when I got into youth ministry, I started hating road trips. And uh, I like going places. I like going to like Carowinds and Six Flags and, and to the beach. And I like doing missions trips and I like that stuff. But man, when I became a, teen, uh, a youth pastor, I began to hate road trips. And here's why. It wasn't because there was a bunch of teenagers. It was because there was a bunch of teenage girls. Man, I'm not kidding you. They, it was crazy. You never heard so much bickering. And, and I don't know, we'd go somewhere, all right, for like six hours, and they had to have a bag per hour. It was insane. I didn't make, it, it didn't make sense to me until I had kids. See, we came down Thursday, and we went to the Goldsboro campus Thursday night. And guys, I had to pack my entire house to get here. I had, I'm, I'm, man, I had to pull the cart. All right, when I go somewhere, I travel a good bit in the summer, and when I go somewhere, I'll take a duffel bag with clothes and then a duffel bag for shoes, but that's another thing. Um, but that, that's kind of me. Guys, I had to take two trips with the rolling cart just to get everything. I mean, it was me and my wife, and I got a 10-month-old and a, and a 3-year-old, and it was our entire house, their playroom, my office, um, the kitchen. It, it, we're going places with food. You would think there was a famine in, in Princeton, North Carolina, the way that we had to pack. I, it was insane. And I just began to, I was like, you know what, road trips, I just, they drive me crazy. And here's another thing that drives me crazy about road trips, GPS. GPS. Anybody use a GPS to get places, right? Uh, we stayed in Smithfield, and I didn't even know Smithfield existed, so I needed my GPS this week. All right, and so I had to get to Goldsboro from Smithfield Thursday night, and uh, we had to find. We were trying to find a park yesterday, and the GPS, you know, turn here, turn here, and they're so nice about it. I mean, you you may want to say some things to them, but they're just so nice, right? And so turn here, turn right here, turn left here. Your destination is on your right. So we're finding this park, and we're going down this road, and it says, turn right on East Griswold Street, or so, I don't know, something like that. I made that up, but anyway, and um. Turn right here and turn left here. And then it said, your destination is on your right. Guys, I pulled into somebody's yard. <laughs> My wife goes, where's the park? And there was a playground in the backyard. And I was like, I guess right there. I guess we just go knock and like, hey, can I hang out for a few minutes? Slide down your slide. Man, GPS is driving me crazy. And, but, but I've made it a personal vendetta against GPSs now, right? Here's my thing. Does anybody else's GPS tell them their arrival time? It is my goal to shave as much time off of that original arrival time <laughs> as I possibly can. We were going to Walmart yesterday from the, from the hotel, and it said six minutes. Uh-uh. <laughs> I'll make it in four and a half. 
<laughs> I'm shaving some time off that bad boy. You can hang that up, man. We're not doing that. And um, road trips are actually a lot of fun. Uh, you get to connect with people. Um, you, you know, when you're going with your family, you learn things about your family that you probably didn't know before. Um, I learned my three-year-old son is hysterically funny. I mean, he is just hilarious. Um, last night, I told him, uh, we were going to uh, Hills of Snow, I think it was, up here. Anybody been there in a little snow cone place? Yeah, yeah. I love uh, flavored ice, man. It is awesome. Um, but anyway, I told him, we, you know, we'd go there. Now, me and Megan, my wife, we got a frappe at McDonald's, chocolate chip frappe. Um, guys, those things are so addictive. I have to repent every, every week for those alone. Um, but we got one of those. We were taking him there, and um, he said, Daddy, I'm hot. Air conditioner's on full blast. When are you hot? He goes, I'm hot, therefore I need a snow cone. <laughs> you are three. You know, and so I learn a lot of things. You can connect with people, you learn a lot of things. I don't have a horror story like last week's speaker, Chuck Barino. My car did not break down on the way up here, and I did not get towed home, and I did not have to have a crisis where Andy Stovall, thank the good Lord, had to come and pick me up from the hotel. And just for reference, guys, this is not Georgia Bulldog red. It's just plain red. Uh, we, we need to pray. We need to pray for him with the Georgia Bulldog stuff in the first place. Um, but I love it, man. When, when, um, when I was in high school, my best friend moved to Orlando, Florida. And uh, they decided, my parents and his parents, so we wanted, I wanted to go see him. And uh, so they decided that a train would be the best mode of transportation for a high school student. Yeah, some of you already know where this is going. So I'm on this train by myself. First time I've really traveled by myself down there. And they put me on this train. The ride down there, I don't really remember too much. But on the ride back, guys... It was horrible. This is back whenever you had the big CD, portable CD players. You guys remember that, where the top flipped up and you put the, you know. And so I, 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 had, I had one of those. My batteries died in my portable CD player. Um, I was a high school student, so reading was of the devil. <laughs> Didn't even take a book with me. I couldn't sleep because the whole time you're on a train, so the entire time. And then the guy next to me decided that Bloody Marys were his best friend on a train ride. And so, man, I'm sitting there, a junior in high school, and I'm just like, dear God, please come now. Take us all at this very exact moment. You know, it, it was bad. That, that was one of the worst, uh, that was one of the worst moments. I, I just remember getting off that train, and I, I wasn't a, I'm not a very affectionate person sometimes, and I held my mom. I was like, oh, I missed you so much. And she's like, oh, I didn't miss you too. And I was like, don't ever send me on a train ride again, never in my life. I haven't been on a train since. In fact, when I see one, I kind of go into convulsions, you know, have the tick. As we were talking about road trips, um, there was a road trip that came to my mind um, when several years ago, or about a year or two ago, um, we were going through a time in, in our lives where my wife's mother uh, was battling breast cancer, and she was coming on the on the back end of that, and she had beaten breast cancer. And about a month later, I got the call that my mom had been uh, diagnosed with breast cancer. And uh, so I'm just like devastated by this, right? I mean, my mom has cancer. The tumor was the size of a softball. 
Um, they had to do chemo and radiation just to shrink it enough to do um, surgery. Uh, it's by the grace of God that it didn't bust in the first place. And uh, just recently after that, a month after she beat breast cancer, my wife's mother got diagnosed again with breast cancer, and she's on the back end of that now. And she, the, There's one thing I've learned, ladies. You guys are fighters. And uh, anybody that's ever fought breast cancer before in your life, I, I, or cancer period, I commend you. And I, I declare that you are a healer in Jesus' name because of your fight. Amen? Well, on, when I learned that my mom had breast cancer, I started searching for some answers. I wasn't really doubting God. I wasn't doubting his healing. I wasn't doubting his abilities. But I was searching for something to kind of comfort me because it didn't make any sense. I'm pretty close to my wife's parents and obviously I'm very close to my parents. And I found this road trip that was kind of unlikely, but it gave me a lot of hope. And today there's three points I want to give you today. But the last one is the one I'm going to hit on pretty hard and I'm going to skim through the other two. I want to talk today about David. I want to talk about before David became king and the road trip that David went on. Now, if you've been in church much at all, you kind of know the road trip of David um, and Goliath. And you know the story where David slung the stone and defeated Goliath. And he was going, what started that whole thing, this road trip just changed his entire life. And what started the whole thing was David's dad came and he looked at him and he said, Hey, David. I need you to do this. Go here. Take this to your brothers because when you do that, I I, I just need to make sure they're taken care of. He was doing the the fatherly thing, right? He looked at his son that was left and he said, I need you to go on a road trip for me. He ended up getting there and he ended up killing a giant. Now, there's many things I've wanted to kill on my way to a road trip. I go back to my youth pastor days. We'll just leave it at that. And um, I just, there's many things that I ran into on a road trip. David runs into this giant, and basically, he looks at this giant, and he's like, look, I can talk about my brothers. And I can beat up my brothers, and I can talk junk about them, but you're not saying anything to my brothers. You leave my brothers out of this. Anybody else ever been there? You know, you can talk about your family, but nobody else can talk about your family, right? You can tell your mom her breath stinks, but don't nobody else say that. Because that's fighting words right there. And then after this, so he steps up and he slays Goliath, he slays the giant, and then he moves from a shepherd boy to the king's right hand. And, and, and Saul, in this moment, Saul begins to get jealous because people are, are chanting for David, David, David. He slew the giant. He is a hero, man. He is awesome. See, Saul liked him until he started getting popular, and then all of a sudden, what happens? Saul gets jealous. And Saul Saul wants him dead. He wants him gone. He wants to make him disappear. So Jonathan shows up, which is Saul's son, and becomes David's greatest friend, David's greatest ally at the time. And now he's on another road trip for his life this time. He is searching for his life at this point. He is running for his life. And so I want to break this thing down for you today on just a few things that I took from this road trip that changed and gave me healing and gave me peace and gave me comfort. The first thing is in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 20. It says this, So David arose early in the morning, and he left the flock with the keeper, and he, and he took the supplies and went as Jesse had commanded him. Now I just want to stop there. 
Now, here's what happens. I, the first point I want us to look at is this. Don't wait to go. Don't wait to go. Every time I say that, I think about Nina, Nina waits to go. Nina can't wait to go, right? That's just a little three-year-old potty training video. Here's the thing. Jesse looks at David, and he says, David, here's the deal, guys. I need you to, you, you got to get up. You got to get up early. And you got you to leave your flock with somebody. And I need you to go here. I need you to go to where there's some danger, okay? I need you to go to the army. I need you to go to the battlefield. I need you to go find your brothers. And I need you to deliver this gift for your brothers. That's what I need you to do. If you can do that, then you've succeeded in what I've asked you to do. And, and, and here's the thing that I kind of got from that passage was this. God will never leave you in a place of hurt. God will never leave you in a place of hurt. Now, Jesse knew that he was asking David to go to the battlefield. He knew. that Jesse already knew that he was going to be in the battle. He already knew he was going to be at the battle lines. He already knew he was going to be in the middle of the army. He knew that that wasn't the safest place in the world, but he also knew that he needed to get something to someone else. He knew that he needed, to, that he needed David to take something to his other sons. His only job was to get something to someone else. Now, when he got there, he fought a battle, but I don't want to jump ahead. We have got to learn, I have got to learn, that I've got to listen to when, what my father says to do. When he says go, it's time for me to go. Why? Because when he says it's time to go, a lot of times he's got a package I need to deliver to somebody else on the way. You may be, and I, I tell my church this all the time, you may be the only Jesus somebody sees. So it's up to me whenever my God tells me, hey, you need to get up, son. You got to get up early, and you got to walk this line, and you got to walk over here, and I need you to go to this destination because when you get to this destination, there's something for you. Sometimes, I've learned this, when God asks us to go somewhere, we don't know why. It doesn't make a lot of sense. When my mom and, and my wife's mom was going through all this stuff, Here's the thing that I realized. It made no sense to me why two good godly women had to battle cancer. I'm sure you've been there, right? You've been in that place. Well, good God, why? They're good people. They, they're, they're great people. They, they have followed you their entire life. Why? 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 I kind of did that a little bit. God, why do they battle? Why are they battling this? And here's what I, here's what I learned. Sometimes it doesn't make sense where we're going, but he'll never leave us in that place of hurt. Jesse knew that when David got to the battlefield and to the army, he was going to be okay. He, he knew he was sending him to danger, but he wasn't going to stay in danger. Your father, God's, God your father, will never, ever, 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 ever leave you in a place of hurt. He may send you there, you may visit hurt, you may visit frustration, you may visit despair, but you'll never camp out there for long. Because his entire goal, his entire purpose in the place of hurt is this, to build something out of you. You know, um, uh, pearls are created in clams by pressure and by irritation from a, piece, a grain of sand inside of that clam. You probably know that. It creates pressure and it creates irritation. 
There would never be a pearl without irritation and pressure. You will never become the pearl that God created you to be without irritation and pressure in your life. When God says go, we have to listen. When your daddy says go, go. Or when he says stop, stop. See, when I was a teenager, we would always go on vacations to the, to the mountains. And my dad always wanted to do something that me and my brother would complain about. Now I want to do it, but then we would complain about it. Anybody in here ever been gem mining in the mountains? Right? You get a bunch of dirt and mud, put it in a screen with the water running through the trough, and you kind of sift through it, and you find these gems that you think weren't put there by other people, but they might have been. And um, my dad, one day, he didn't make many decisions on these trips. He was just kind of loosey-goosey. He was kind of like, whatever you want to do. If you want to go fishing, let's go fishing. If you want to go uh, ride go-karts, we'll do that, whatever. Right? But there was one thing that he decided on. We were going gym mining. That's just the way it was. And me and my brother, we, no, Dad, that's so boring. I don't want to do that. We're going. <laughs> gym mining. My mom would say, Floyd, what if we just don't go this year? We're going gym mining. This is not up for discussion. And so when dad woke us up early in the morning to drive to Franklin, North Carolina from Maggie Valley, he would say, get up, we're going gym mining. And you didn't lay in that bed very long because he'd walk in there and he'd pull you out of bed, throw you over his shoulder and take you down and eat some breakfast. That was just the way it was. When he said go, it was time to go. We've got to learn that with, with God, our Father, that, that we've got to understand that when he says it's time to go, there's a reason. Now, number two, we have to know who we are. On a road trip, whenever you go somewhere, you don't try to become like the locals that you're visiting. You just go and you enjoy, right? I went to Oklahoma for 12 days last year. I preached out there for a while. And um, it was an awesome time, but I didn't try to become a cowboy, I would look pretty funny in a pair of cowboy boots. With a hat. I got a pea head, man. Those little cowboy hats would not work on me. I look like a bobblehead just kind of sitting there. It just wouldn't work for me. Now, I did used to drive a tractor-trailer truck for Coca-Cola, and that was funny because guys, it was not fun. But I didn't try to become a cowboy while I was out there. I didn't try to learn how to cook barbecue because I wouldn't do it right. I didn't try to learn. All I did was I went out there, and I enjoyed where I was at we got to know who we are. And, and God spoke this to me, man. He told me, he said, Brandon, in times of hurt, I'm not going to leave you in a place of hurt, but here's the deal. you got to know who you are in a place of hurt. Because if you don't know who you are in a place of hurt, the hurt will define who you are. Are you with me? I want to show you something pretty cool. Um, in Genesis, um, I, 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 in Genesis, you go there and you see the fall of man, okay? In, in, in chapter 3, you see the fall of man. And so you see where Eve is talking to the serpent, right? And so he's talking to the, she's talking to the serpent. The serpent looks at her. And these are his words in Genesis chapter 3, uh, verse 5. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, that was what was said right before Eve took of the fruit. You remember that? The serpent looks and says, you will be like God, your eyes will be open. If you go back to creation to begin with, who does God say we're made in the image of? Him. Man and woman created in his image. So you and I are created in his image. 
Here's what happened. Eve forgot who she was for a minute. She was talking to the serpent, and the serpent said, you will become like God. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Eve forgot that she was already like God. And the enemy convinced her that she was not like God, and in order to be like God, she had to eat the fruit, but she was already like God. You see the turmoil here. She was in a place where she had to make a decision. When we don't know our role, when we forget who we are, the reality is this. We'll fall for anything. When we don't know who we are, the old country song, you got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. David knew who he was. See, David didn't need military or army weapons. He didn't need the armor. None of that stuff. See, David just knew, look, I'm skilled with a slingshot. I'm skilled with a slingshot and a rock. That's all I really need. And so he stepped up, and he took care of business with a slingshot and a rock. Why? He knew his role. He knew what he was skilled at. He knew who his God was, and he understood something. Nothing can come against me as long as I walk in the passion of who I am, in the path of who I am. The reality is this. David looked Goliath in the eyes and he said, I don't need your armor. I don't need your sword. I need what I'm skilled at and I need my God. Everything else will fall into place. When you're going through a time that may seem frustrating and may seem uh, hard and hurtful, listen to me. Know your role. Know you are a child of of God. Whoever you are today, whatever you've done in your past, listen to me today, it doesn't matter. You are a child of God. You have already been created in His image. You don't have to eat a special temptation, a special sin, or a special fruit in order to be like God. You're already there. All we have to do is accept the blood of Jesus into our life and live for Him, and He'll take care of the rest. He'll clean us up. He'll clean us up. Know your role. Now here's the third point today. And this is my main point I'm going to hit on for just a few minutes this morning. Your greatest weapon could be in the midst of your greatest battle. I I want you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 21. And I'm going to read verses 8 and 9. This is so, when, it, when I picked up on this, guys, I was reading this story. I was going through that time in my life. When I picked up on this, it changed me. It absolutely changed the way I saw things. Verses 8 and 9. David said to Ahimelech, Now is there not a spear or a sword on hand? For I brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me because the king's matter was urgent. Now what was urgent about the king's matter? The king was trying to kill him. Saul wanted him dead. He had to run as fast as he could. Now, verse 9. Then the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, behold, it is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you would take it for yourself, take it, for there is no other accepted here. And David said, There is none like it. Give it to me. Check this out. David defeated Goliath. He becomes a hero. The king wants him dead. 
He's got to flee where he's been for so long. And so now, all of a sudden, he's running for his life. And he has to run so fast that he forgets food. That's how he ran into Ahimelech. He needed food and water. And Ahimelech, the priest in the town, hooked him up. And after he eats and he, and he gets some strength back in him, he looks at Ahimelech and he says, Man, I had to leave so fast I have no weapon. No weapon whatsoever. And Ahimelech looks and he says, Man, all I've got is the sword of Goliath. Now, Goliath was huge. David wasn't that huge. So this was a big sword. And Goliath, he said, I got the sword of Goliath. Whom? You defeated. And David looked and he said, give it to me, for there is none like it here. There's none. This is the only sword like it. Why was that sword so special to David? Here's why. Because he had already defeated Goliath. Now he needed the weapon that that battle provided. He was sitting in a place where he had to have something to fight against, something to defend, something to for offense if somebody came against him. He had to have something. And so he looked at, at his past battle and he said, that battle that was so difficult, that so many armies were afraid of, that so many people were scared of, that battle that hurt, that battle that was fearful, that battle that just, just blew things up, that battle provided a weapon that I need today. Whoever you are today, whatever you're facing today, listen to me, don't give up on the battle, because the battle may provide the weapon you need for tomorrow's battle. He's running for his life, guys. Get this. He's hiding in caves. He's getting intel information from Saul's son. And he has nothing. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I go through these moments in my life, I get a little upset because things aren't peaches and cream. Right? Things aren't that great for me sometimes. Things are difficult and things are hard. I remember one time I was throwing myself a pity party about Radiate Church. We weren't growing and doing things the way that I, I wanted us to. And I remember I called Pastor Farrell. Wrong idea. I said, man, you got a minute. Yeah, man, I got a minute for you. What's up? And he, we talked. And, uh, and Pastor Farrell, is he not a 16-year-old trapped in a 35-year-old body. <laughs> right. He shows up to the golf course yesterday in lime green and black hat. And I'm just like, man, you are awesome. You're cooler than I am. Anyway, I called him. And I said, look, man, I, I, I'm just frustrated. He said, what's up? So I told him. And I, he just let me unleash for a minute. And then <laughs> these were his words. I'm going to talk to you like a son. And I just kind of went, oh, boy. And he just reamed me for a minute. And he said, quit whining. What are you whining about, man? Look at this. Look at that. And he started to point out so many things that God had done in our church and in my life. And he started to point all these things out. And, and I remember getting off the phone and going, I feel beat up, but I feel better. Perspective came into play. And sometimes I get to a place in my life where I'm just like, man, I can't handle this stuff. You know, I'm not an emotional guy, but I've been driven to tears more since I became a dad a husband and a pastor than ever in my life. And I remember, man, I, I, I just, I'll, I'll throw myself a pity party. But here's the thing. I can't get so caught up in my current battle that I forget there's a reason for the battle in the first place. See, this is where everything, the other two points come into play. I've got to know God's not going to leave me in a place of hurt. And I've got to know my role in that battle. 
I got to understand that because your next level, my next level with him is determined by my current battle. My next level with God is determined by my current battle. My obedience to his voice. What will I do to see victory come to play? What will I do to change the course of history through the midst of a battle? Am I going to sit here and cry and whine and complain about it? Sure, sometimes I may take a moment for that. Or am I going to stand up and I'm going to bow my little puny bird chest out? And am I going to stand up and go, you know what? It don't matter what comes at me. I know that the voice of my God told me to come here. It don't matter if things happen the way that I think they should. I was told to walk right here and to come to this destination. And there's somebody in my path that's got to go there. And I know my role in this thing. I don't See, I met with Greg Surratt, the pastor of Seacoast Church one day. And I was whining to him a little bit, right? And he looked at me and he gave me a verse. He said, he said dude, he said, the Bible says that if you will not grow weary... In doing good, then in due time, then I will bring a harvest. He looked at me, he said, your job ain't to bring a harvest, son. Has nothing to do, you're not the harvest bringer, you're the seed sower. He said, your job is to work and pray and do the best you can with the best you've got. It is God's job to bring the harvest. Stop trying to make a flower out of a seed. It isn't up to you. That's a nature thing. That's a God thing. And guys, listen to me. My, current, my, my, my next level is determined by my current battle. Now, to end this thing, Psalm chapter 23. I know I'm skipping around a little bit today. And they're going to throw verses 5 and 6 up, but I want to start with verse 4. It says, and you probably know this, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. If you grew up in the 90s, you cannot read that and not sing. Like, I'd do it right now, but I have no rhythm. Anyway, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We get comfort out of 5 and 6, right? Man, you'll prepare a table for me. I love food. Anybody else love food? I love food. There is not a greater place for me to kick back and relax and, and get fat than to sit at a table. I love food. So when I'm sitting at the table, I kind of relax. I talk a lot, hang out a lot. So we love five and six, man. Yeah, there's going to be a table before my enemies. He's going to anoint my head with oil. You know, his loving goodness and kindness are going to follow me all the days of my life and all this stuff. But we leave out verse 4 that says, before you even get there, you got to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. One doesn't come without the other. If you don't walk through the valley of the shadow of death, if you don't have people that can't stand your guts, if you don't have people that ask you to tone down on your talk about God, if you don't have people that, that come against you, if you don't have battles, then the reality is sitting at the table before your enemies may not be quite as much of a reality. But when you go through those battles and you stand up and you fight those people, when you come up against pa pastors, I come, guys, listen to this. I come up against pastors that literally wish we would shut the doors of Radiate Church. Like they wish we would close down. They've made it known. I've come up against people that want us to just stop what we're doing. 
I've come up against people, we've got a lot of unwed mothers and we got all this stuff in our church and you know what, I've come up against people that look at me and say, you don't need to run a church like that. And I'm like, they're people, I love them, they're awesome. They're great people. It doesn't matter where you come from, it matters where you're going, folks. It doesn't matter what you've stepped out from, it matters what you're stepping into and the reality is what you're stepping into is determined by what you're stepping out of because of how you handle it. I may be in the midst of my greatest crisis and my greatest battle today and you may be sitting out there today and you may be saying, you don't know the hopelessness that I feel and you don't know the hurt that I feel and you don't know the betrayal I feel. You don't know what they said to me. You don't understand that. But I'm sitting here today and I'm telling you something and I'm telling you this. God is looking over you and he's saying, your greatest battle today will provide your greatest weapon for tomorrow. Don't give up. Because for me to prepare this table for you, you've got to walk through some shadows, you've got to walk through some valleys, and you've got to hurt. And you've got to hurt. Listen, let me say this, and then I'm going to close with prayer. There may not be a decrease in your enemies as you give your life to Christ, but there will be an increase in your victories. Let me say that again. There may not be a decrease in your enemies, but there will be an increase in your victories. Talking about valleys and mountaintops. We all talk about, and I do this all the time, we all talk about, I just got to get to the mountaintop, man. I'm in a valley right now. I'm kind of low. I'm kind of down. I'm kind of out. It's dark in my life. I'm hurting. I'm in a valley. I need to get to that mountaintop. If you go and you do any climbing and you look at things, the tip top of a mountain is the barest point on a mountain. If you look at the valley, man, it's the greenest, luscious, with most colorful flowers. Beautiful down there. Why? Because the water runs through that. Listen to me. Here's what I'm here to tell you. You may get to the mountaintop and feel good, but there's very little growth on the top of a mountaintop. But when you go down to that valley, and that water, that living water of Jesus Christ, is flowing through your hurt and your pain, and you understand, God won't leave me in my place of hurt. And you understand that you know your role, and you understand that today it may be a battle, but tomorrow it may be a weapon. And when you live through that, things begin to sprout on the inside of you. And when you come on the other side of your battle, I remember when I came on the other side and I found out my mom was cancer-free. And I remember she called me this week. She had a scan Friday. She said, I'm cancer-free, and I don't have to go back for another year. I said, amen, Mom, that's awesome. God is good. He's our healer. And I know at the end of my wife's, my, uh, mom's, my mother-in-law's battle for this current time, I know at the end I'm going to look, and there's going to be something sprouted on the inside of me. Why? Because there may be a valley, but there's a water running right through the middle of it. And in order for me to grow, And in order for me to sit at the presence, sit at the table, I have got to walk through the valley and through the shadows. If our prayer teams could come forward for just a few minutes. Here's what I want to do today. Here's how I want to end this thing today. I want to ask, because I I, I know, I know, I know without a shadow of a doubt that there are people sitting out in these chairs today that are saying, you know what, Pastor, man, I've got some hurt specific hurt. i got bitterness I haven't let go of. I've got forgiveness that I can't give. I've got pains in my life that don't make any sense to me whatsoever. And pastor, you know what? It makes a lot of sense to me, Brandon. I, I need that prayer, man. I need somebody to cover me today and to love on me today, and I want to know my role, and I want to, to understand that God won't leave me in a place of hurt, and I definitely want to see the, bat, the weapon on the other side of this battle. Because I know that his loving goodness and kindness will follow me all the days of my life as long as I've given my life to him. 
And, and Brandon, I need that. If that's you today, as the music plays, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to take a very bold step today. I'm going to ask you to stand up out of your seat if that's you. I'm going to ask you to come down here and let us pray over you and that need. And then after that, we're going to pray a blanket prayer over every single person. That God's peace and God's comfort. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? Today. Today. If that's you. And you relate in a very real way to something in your life, to that hurt and that pain. Would you stand to your feet this morning and join us down here at this altar? This altar is not a place of weakness. It's a place of strength. It's where we go. Come on. Walk on down those aisles and join us down here. It's time. It's time. It's time. Amen. If you're sitting out in those chairs, just pray right now. Just talk to God. Yes. If you've got some forgiveness that you need to offer but you don't know how, let's come down and let's pray over that this morning. As they're praying this morning, is there anybody out there that would say, you know what, I've never even accepted the cross. I've never prayed that prayer, that sinner's prayer, and just said, Jesus, I give you my life, I give you my heart, I give you everything I have. And today you've heard about a God that has set things up to protect you and to provide for you and to give life. If that's you today, would you slip your hand up right where you are? And you're saying, I'm ready. I'm ready to take that next step into salvation, into the love of Jesus. I want to become a Christian today. I want to walk with Him. 